verse 21, 25, looking at our submissive suffering Saviour. And we're called to follow his example of suffering. He was sinless. He was submissive. He was our substitute. And tonight we move into verse 24. Well, the second part of it. The first part reads, For who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. <clears throat> so we've seen him, the Lord, as our substitute last week. He made atonement for our souls. Let's pray as we look at the next part of that verse. Thank you, Lord, for being being such a one as you are, and even considering us sinners, that we might be saved and your children. And bless the thoughts of these things to our hearts tonight, and because you have done these things for us, may we endeavour with all our strength, with the Spirit's strength, to, to obey you, to follow you, to do what's pleasing for you while we walk this sod of earth. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we have the Saviour's stipulation. This is not about the Saviour, but directed toward the saints in the second part of verse 24. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, Christians being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. <clears throat> Being dead to sin. Hmm. Have you had to die to sin today? Probably. You had to say, no, no, that's not for me. I'm a Christian. If not today, at least yesterday and today. And maybe many times we've had to die to sin. And this is something that we should do because of all that he has done for us and because we are his children. We have an obligation. <clears throat> the practical part of applying this to our lives is dying to sin. Dead to sin. Dead to sin. Not dying. <laughs> dying and dead. Dead to sin. And as was put to me in the sermons many years ago by, I think it was Pastor Willie Mullen. <clears throat> what can a dead person do? Nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing, and that is the Christian dead to sin. We should be able to. Do, we should do absolutely nothing, but we do because there's the old man there, and that's the problem. And there's the battle that goes on. We are no longer free to sin. We are free from sin at this point in our lives, as it tells us in Romans. And we keep saying when we go there, we need to memorise it. 6, 7 and 8 of Romans and <clears throat> there in the start of chapter 6 he speaks about baptism the spiritual baptism I believe what, what, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid how shall we that are what? dead to sin that's what we're looking at back there <clears throat> live any longer in it how can a dead man raise his voice 
or his arm or his leg. He can't raise anything. He's dead. And so we ought to be that way. Knowing, know ye not that as many of us as were baptised into Christ, we've been baptised into him. And this is uh, the picture of baptism comes here. We're baptised into his, and spiritually speaking, his death, his burial and his resurrection. So we've died, we've been willing to go there and under, buried, up, resurrection to newness of life. Therefore, if we are buried with him by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It's pretty practical, easy to understand that, isn't it? But it's a lot harder to live it. A lot harder to put that into practice. But we need to because we're surrounded by things that draw us away from him. Um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and Satan who's out as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we're no longer free to sin, but we are free from sin. <clears throat> and we don't have to be its servant. Uh, we are and were in Christ when he, did, when he died. And so did we. When he was buried, so were we. When he arose, so did we, and we are seated in the heavenlies, as it says in Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians. So let's not abuse the grace of the Lord. As he said later in Romans chapter 6, where we were just a moment ago in verse 11, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. In fact, just looking there, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 Thirteen times in eleven verses, and it keeps on being used, the word dead is used. And guess what colour I used to, to colour that one in? Black. Yeah. <laughs> I coloured it in black. And it just <laughs> stands out there. We are dead. And uh, <clears throat> this is the battle that young people have, and sometimes they get confused. Well, I'm lost. I'm not a Christian. How can I be a Christian if I've sinned? But they have to learn to die to sin every time it raises its head, every time the opportunity comes, every time the flesh. And and it's not only children, it's all of God's children go through this. When did Paul pen Romans? Trying to look at the date. 57, 58 AD, around that time. How long is that after the church started? say 33, 43, 53, 20 years. What do we find in Romans chapter 7? Paul saying, this is the battle I face. After talking about death in chapter 6, he goes on and talks about it more. I see about eight verses there where he's used the word death in that. And we are <clears throat> then confronted with this constant battle. And he was, he was still battling in this. He, he, he could battle many different things probably than what we face. He could battle, what, Lord, I'm in your work, why all these problems? Huh. He, he could battle the thought of these Jewish people, I could grab them and shake them because <laughs> they're just not getting it. He, he was battling the, the flesh in those ways. You know, there's, there's those sort of things we, we face. Why don't people just get over and get on? Was it build a bridge or something (laughs) and move forward as Christians in the Christian life and stop being bogged down in the sloth 
of despond and sin, as Pilgrim found himself. So, <clears throat> yep, reckon yourselves, reckon, count it up, add it up, get your book out, <laughs> add the sums, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Spirit use the Word of God to enliven your life, and that's why it's important to have devotions, to read the Bible, to memorize and meditate on the Word of God, that you might be able to win. <laughs> sin comes knocking, Satan comes knocking, that and, and the old self, you know, lust comes from our own selves, from in our hearts. When that happens, it's not what enters in that defiles, it's what comes out that defiles a man, as Jesus said. But when that happens, we might be able to have the Spirit of God use the Word of God that we've been studying and meditating upon. And I'm uh, just talking to uh, Brother Brian last night and <clears throat> about these things. He said, when, when you've grown old, are you, do you forget the Bible verses you memorised when you were younger? I said... No, I don't forget them. What I do forget is things that happen currently. <laughs> That's the things you forget. But the Bible verses are there and the Spirit of God can use them to, inf- to reinforce your Christian life and to stop you from sinning. Let not sin therefore reign. He can't be king anymore. He's been buried, with, as we see in the early chapter 6 of Romans. and uh, <clears throat> He's not reigning in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Oh, that we would get the truth of this. This is the crux of the victory of the Christian in the Christian's life. We want victory in Jesus, then get into the word, know it, use it, meditate upon it, and use it when things get rough and tough. Um, Put off, another way of putting it is put off and put on. And where do we find those words used? There's two books that primarily use those thoughts and mortify. Can you remember what books they would be? What epistles? Book of Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 22. We read there, more so in the next one, which is Colossians, chapter 4 and verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or the way you used to live the old man (laughs) which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind yep (laughs) put off then verse 25 of the same chapter wherefore putting away putting off putting away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor we are members one of another be angry and sin not you know putting away that anger and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil and uh, we can we shouldn't let him that stole steal no more so it goes on from saying put off and then it lists some practical things don't steal don't give place to the devil don't get angry or if you do it angry don't let the sun go down upon your wrath uh, <clears throat> labor working with your hands that you have may have to give to them that need have a need, has a need and don't let corrupt communications, you know, <clears throat> foul language, come out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. So there it's put off, put on. Colossians, just over a little bit. And <clears throat> oh, I missed one there in Ephesians, but we'll leave that. Verse 24. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. Dead to sin is the practical way. Verse 5. 
word for putting off there is mortify. Have you ever been mortified before somebody? Probably. That's you, you feel you feel like dead. <laughs> Therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. God's wrath comes on people that practice those things. Verse eight: Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. And verse nine again: Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds but does he come back again yep <laughs> and then the best way to be able to keep it off is by putting on if you take something out you need to put something in replace it replace it with the good things of god the christian way of living put on the new man which after which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him <clears throat> Verse 12, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If you've got to have a quarrel, it doesn't say you don't quarrel, but it says if you have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave, so also do ye. So that is what the Christian should do, to Christian to Christian. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And so the... <clears throat> Here's what the Lord wants us to do, the Saviour's stipulation and the saints' summons there to do these things. And and all of Romans chapter 6 you could read there. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, I know it's talking to unsaved people in the context in Hebrews 10.26, but what about us? Are we not more responsible if we sin willfully after we we know the truth? than those who don't know the truth, even, as that verse applies to. And I believe so. The smitten smitten saviour. So we've seen the substitutionary saviour last week. First part of verse 24. Second part, the middle part, the saviour's stipulation and the saint's summons there. And the smitten saviour in verse 24, the last part. We are dead to sin we should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And this is a quote directly from Isaiah 53 and verse 5. The word stripe means a, a bruise from a wound. Not only, not only from the blows inflicted on him physically, on the Lord Jesus physically at the time of his suffering, but the stroke of God's judgment upon him as he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. Psalm 22 refers to these things. Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. And because we're in this portion of Scripture, we've been back here a few times. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and I'm not, and I'm not silent. <clears throat> so the suffering Saviour, verse 19, through to 21 as well in that psalm, speaks of his suffering. And that is equivalent to Matthew 
where he speaks of the same in 27 verses 45 and 46 where darkness came upon the earth at the time of his suffering. Those three hours of darkness there. He was smitten. Just go through. Just think of some of the things that evil and wicked men did to him that night. What are some of those things where, where we can say he was physically smitten? They spat on him. Slapped him. Yep. Yep. The thorns. Nakedness. Yep. The whip on the back. Sorry. Yep. The beard. And they pierced his side. They nailed his feet. Nailed his hands. Was he pierced? (laughs) Was he smitten? He was smitten for our sins. Bearing our sins. And and that's a whole other thing we don't comprehend. We think, oh, we're not so bad. But how many sins... And how big a sin, if you could say, does it take to condemn us to hell? One. One sin. One sin. Adam and Eve sinned. Disobedience. That one sin. And then we do that all through our life. And the billions of people that lived on planet have done it all their lives. He bore in his body the sins. And by his stripes we are healed through these things. We ought to consider the magnitude of that. Now, how are we healed? The word here, healed, is iomai. It's used of spiritual healing. Because we could, and people do, use this to say, see, when you become a Christian, we can go around healing each other. And that's not what it's saying in these verses if you go to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15 and just look at a few of these and maybe write them next to that healing reference there in in Peter in Matthew's gospel chapter 15 and uh, 13 and verse 15 And we read there, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should what? Heal them. Is it a physical healing? No. All that, <coughs> that verse is talking about the spiritual aspect of our life. Spiritual healing within should be converted, converted, and I should heal them. If you slip over to John's Gospel, chapter 12 and verse 20, John 12 and verse 20, where we read there, and there were certain Greeks, sorry, 1240, 12 and verse 40, he hath blinded the eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them like the verse in Matthew and he should heal them and they needed not physical healing but they needed spiritual healing they need to be brought back to God from the dark paths of sin 
And if we slip over to Acts chapter 28, Acts 28 and verse 27. (coughs) I sung too hard. (laughs) I got the voice wore out. 28, 27. For the heart of this people has become a wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. Almost exactly the same as what we've looked at. And should be converted, and I should heal them. Heal them. What does this world need? It needs healing. It needs cleansing from sin. They need to be converted. They need to recognise that he bore in his body their sin through his stripes, his wounds physically. He, he, <clears throat> the stroke of God's judgment on him as well, spiritually speaking. We are healed. Um, so just those two things tonight. The Saviour stipulation and the saint summons and the smitten Saviour. And does he still have, the Lord Jesus, have a physical body? Yeah? How do you know? Yeah? Yep. And something about wounds in that body too. Doubting Thomas? You know? Touch, see. And the response was, my Lord and my God. The wounds will be there for us to see who killed Jesus. <laughs> and how does it go? His, yeah. Yep. Yes, the Jewish people as a nation will look on him whom they pierced. They'll mourn for him. But we in eternity will still... Because the wounds where he was nailed and where he was whipped are still there that uh, show us and remind us of the, the wonderful thing that our Saviour did for us there on the cross. So count it a blessing. And um, <clears throat> if we've got physical wounds, do what James chapter, the last chapter of James 5 says, you know, call for the elders of the church if you wish, let them pray. But it's if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, that's that we haven't, we don't have uh, 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 the power of healing as the apostles did. And um, if you start considering thinking of Paul, did he have prop, did he have physical ailments? Yeah. Yep. Could he heal people? Yeah. Yep. Did he heal himself? No. <laughs> he didn't. He couldn't do that. And uh, so praise the Lord for the healing we have had. The best healing, (laughs) better than physical healing, it's spiritual healing to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb.